Join Rowdy and Kyle every Monday and Thursday night for another episode of the Rowdy Magalite Show, sponsored by On Tire Tailgate System. All right, race fans, let's get rowdy. The next 60 minutes will be two men talking one thing and one thing only, racing. From the third tracks of the Carolinas to the super speedways of Daytona and Talladega, no race is too big or small for this duo. Ladies and gentlemen, these are our hosts, Rowdy Maglite and Kyle Magda. This is the Rowdy Maglite Show. All right, and it's Thursday night edition of the Rowdy Maglite Show, and I'd like to uh, welcome you back. With tonight's first guest is Paul Small calling in. He's one of the Northeast Racing announcers. Uh, Kyle Magnum on other line. How's it going, Kyle? Hey, Rowdy. Good to be here. Uh, long days at work, but uh, nice to have tonight off. Uh, Mother Nature, unfortunately, prevailed at Port Royal. Uh, didn't get to make it to the short track Super Series preliminary night. It got postponed. Just so you know, for the Speed Showcase weekend, uh, $50,000 to the winner Saturday night in a 75-lap race. Uh, open practice tomorrow, Saturday or Friday morning. And the 410 sprint cars, along with the short track Super Series modified races, qualifying races for 20 laps apiece before the main event Saturday. So that's what's going on here, Rowdy. Also, Lincoln Speedway, uh, their uh, finale, or their season finale on on Saturday for the 410 sprint cars. So got some events coming up here with the 410 sprint cars. Uh, that's not over yet. Uh, National Open next week. So got a lot to go on. I think Paul will be coming on here shortly. Um, we're going to get him on. You know, I know he's done a lot of dirt stuff in the past. He's done the indoor races in Allentown. So he's been around, and uh, hopefully we'll have a good interview with him tonight. So, uh, Kyle, it's been a real eventful week. week. Uh, we also have on tonight, we re, uh, got to uh, talk to Nick Sanchez, the 2022 Arkham Menard Series champion. And uh, actually, we got two recordings, a NASCAR one and then ours. That's right, Rowdy. Uh, very important. Uh, to have the Arca champ on our show, and uh, good day to Nick Sanchez on Tuesday uh, afternoon. Uh, good thing you and I both had time to do that, so uh, good we had him on, and uh, at some point tonight we'll be replaying that audio when he was on our show Tuesday afternoon. And he's also going to be busy at Vegas uh, for big machine racing. And Roger Ruth also. And, and also, Rajah's got a ride. So we talked about that earlier, Kyle. We, we've seen a jump of, dri- of young drivers from the Arkham Menard series kind of go blend right on into uh, the Xfinity series here. There are a lot of drivers doing that jump. You know, most notably Ty Gibbs going to Arkham to Xfinity, uh, not even going to the truck series, really. So, uh, yeah, it's been interesting to see his jump. You know, Sammy Smith as well. Uh, in the 18 Xfinity car, I think he'll be back in that car next year, uh, how, how things are looking. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens because Chandler Smith went over to College Racing next year in the Xfinity Series, so that was kind of a surprise with A.J. are going to the Cup Series in the 16 car. The 16 Xfinity car became vacant, and uh, Chandler Smith's headed over to the Chevrolet camp next year. So uh, I know he's looking for a title to get out of there. Um, trucks are off this week, Homestead next weekend. 
with a doubleheader with the NASCAR Xfinity Series. So, um, kind of what's going on there. Uh, you know, we got Vegas this weekend. Uh, Rowdy Xfinity qualifying 8.30 p.m. Eastern Friday night. Uh, Going to run uh, practice and qualifying until 10 Eastern, 7 local there. And then uh, Saturday, the uh, the Osco Uniforms 302 and also the uh, South Point Casino 400 on Sunday. So, a busy weekend. Coming up, uh, we have Arca, Arca in the books. Arca West at the Bullring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway Friday night. Sarah and Bridget Bird just going to be the first uh, daughter, or excuse me, mother-daughter combo to race in, in a NASCAR National Series race. So that'll be interesting, and then we'll probably be hearing from them as well. Yes, we will, Kyle. Uh, that that's going to be really interesting. I, I listened to part of it, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the end of it. But, Kyle, uh, I'll be headed to Homestead next week for the vodka, Dixie Vodka 400. First time for the for the new car on on that, uh, with that composite body on that track. We've talked about it. Rowdy, I like that. Uh, Homestead's back in the playoff race. I think that's a really good one. Uh, it's good to see uh, Homestead back, you know, as late as it is in the year, and also, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a a good. Uh, I think it's going to be a good one. I think when you go there next weekend, um, I think it's going to be a really good race. And um, you know, um, we'll have to see uh, what happens with the uh, the rest of the race. You know, how it shakes up the playoff field. Kyle, uh, Larry's Hard Lemonade Beach Bash. They've got a a beach inside the infield with a lake, beautiful sandy beach, stuff to do. But, uh, Kyle, I'm going to bring in our first caller here. When uh... All right, Rowdy, we got our guest. All right, everyone, I'd like to welcome to the show one of those Northeastern racing announcers, Paul Smile. Welcome to the show, Paul. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here, man. Uh, Paul, kind of what inspired you to be a track announcer? I, I mean, you know, how'd you, how'd you wake up one day and go, this is what I want to do? Uh, well, it's a funny story, actually. I had been going to races since I was five years old. And when I was 16, I went to a racetrack a couple of miles from my house that I had never been to before. And they were running this combination of three-wheelers and four-wheelers and motocross and cars on this multi-purpose track. Um, My dad and I went there, and there was no announcer. And we were sitting up on the top row of the grandstands, and from there you could crawl under the top railing into the what there was of an announcer's tower. It's nothing more than an elevated stand with a roof over it. And the promoter came up and said, uh, hey, does anybody want to try announcing? And I turned around and like, yeah, I'll try. I've been on my radio station in my high school the past four years. And I crawled under the railing, grabbed the microphone. At the end of the day, the promoter said to me, you were pretty good. You want a job? And that's how it started 36 years ago. <laughs> a quick audition, and you was ready to go under under fire. Uh, oh, yeah. Paul, kind of as far as being an announcer, where – What's top of the hill? I, I know you've done some uh, snowmobile announcing. 
So you took it uh, all the yeah, way this... from, from the dirt to the to the ice. Yeah, I'm actually busy somewhere around 10, 10 and a half months a year. Uh, January, actually, December will be the fourth year that I've done uh, Amsoil Championship Snowcross, both on the live stream on Flow Racing and also for the CBS Sports Network. And then in the summertime, I do just about everything from stock car shows, demolition derbies, motocross, speedway motorcycle races, karting events, uh, monster truck shows, whatever I can find. Paul, with that being said, when you first started this adventure of announcing, would you have ever uh, dreamed and imagined that the technology that we have now at our fingertips would would be real? I mean, the smartphone, how it's changed information at the track is just unbelievable. Uh, Yeah, and the advent of computerized uh, scoring with transponders, I think, has been the other real major revolution in short track racing. Unfortunately, one of the things that has not evolved with technology as quickly as that are PA systems at racetracks, because some of them are older than me. Yeah. With that being said, do you see it from the 2020 pandemic till now, do you see the bigger crowds that, that we're seeing at the track? I think we saw, I, I think we saw a bubble kind of like uh, there was that housing bubble that at first we saw a bubble when we came back from COVID because people have been uh, tied up for so long. And the only racing they could get was, you know, specifically, made-for-television stuff, whether it was Fox doing the iRacing thing or some short tracks going to the uh, Internet pay-per-view model. So when we had the chance to get fans back in the stands again, everybody came out for the first few weeks. Uh, That was, for us, at least here in New York, that was middle end of 2021. Uh, 2022, I think we started off good, but with the economy and gas prices, we have definitely uh, tailed off. And I would wager a dollar to a donut to say that probably 85% of promoters will tell you their attendance is down from this time last year. Hi, Paul. You got Kyle here. First of all, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Uh, First question for you is uh, I first discovered you at the indoor races. I know you and I were, were chatting about that earlier today. Uh, talk. Can you please talk a little bit about your your dirt on TV career? Um, you know, you were with, you know, you were covering Syracuse, the Syracuse Mile, Orange County, all those racetracks. I mean, was it was it a blast as it looked like when you were doing it back in the nineties? Uh, yes, it was a blast. I have to tell you that there were some long hours. The typical this week on dirt production day would start at nine o'clock on a Tuesday morning and end somewhere around three thirty on a Wednesday morning. It would take that long to assemble that half hour show. Um, the live shows were an absolute gas and I love working live without a net. That is challenging. Uh, it can uh, occasionally be a stress filled environment, but there is nothing like the exhilaration of uh, doing live TV, which I did for a number of years, and I still do some television work outside of the Amsoil Snowcross from time to time. Um, I've done some Super Cup stock car shows in uh, the past couple of years. 
uh, done some things with Mav TV. I've done some things with, uh, with Speed Sport. And uh, even last year did the Pro Watercross World Championship that was on uh, CBS Sports Network. So I've had the chance to kind of branch out and do some different stuff since I uh, left the Durko organization, which was way back, believe it or not, 1999. Yeah, those were the good old days. And I, I know I, you and I were talking about Syracuse, but my second question for you is, uh, can you talk a little bit about working with the Super Cup Stock Crusters? My friend Aaron Creed is, uh, does PR for them. Um, you guys have probably worked with each other before. I mean, what's it, what's it like being working with that series? And, I mean, what have you seen um, when you've called the races? Uh, well, the funny thing was when uh, I uh, got hired on by uh, Tony Stevens uh, from Pit Row TV, uh, he was producing the half-hour Super Cup stock car series show. So last year, uh, they brought me in to be the pit reporter for the back-to-back races they had in Pennsylvania at um, what used to be Clearfield. And then at Jennerstown the following night, when I got there, Aaron's like, oh, wow, we have the famous Paul Small here. And I'm looking around like, who the heck are you talking about? (laughs) Um, But uh, I had a blast working with that series. Uh, That is probably about as low-key as you can get. It's just the guys with a bunch of old cup cars going around running racetracks. They're not racing for a lot of money. But you know what? They're having fun. And... So much of what I see on the professional level of motorsports nowadays looks like it's not fun. Uh, right now, especially if you're in NASCAR, whether you're a team owner, a driver, or part of the organization, it's not fun right now. My next question, uh, you, you talked about doing some side work um, recently. I mean, what have you been up to um, you know, with racing, other than the snowcross stuff, uh, what else have you been working on? I, I see you did some Thunder Mountain stuff last year, and uh, you know, uh, what, what else have you been up to lately? Well, I actually started this year working a, a couple of weekly tracks, but for people that don't know, my other career is in broadcasting. I'm the operations manager for a group of seven radio stations up here in Geneva, which is halfway between Syracuse and Rochester, New York. And I have absorbed some additional duties this year over and above what I normally did. So I actually, at the beginning of August, stepped away from doing weekly events. And I've hopscotched around and just done uh, some demolition derbies here and there, some monster truck shows here and there, um, some Speedway motorcycle events here and there. And that's probably what's going to be on the horizon for me and the racing season for 2023 is just kind of picking and choosing things that I can fit around my uh, my full-time broadcast career. Um, I, I have to say sometimes picking and choosing can be a little bit difficult when you're a freelancer and you're constantly scrapping for work. That can be a challenge sometimes because, you know, most every track has an announcer or two announcers. Uh, once in a while somebody needs to fill in or, once in a while, there's a startup event where you can get lucky, get in on the ground floor, and it can become, you know, part of your, your yearly routine. But, um, you know, the other part of it is when you pick and choose your events, a lot of times you don't have to deal with the weekly drama, and there's nothing bad about that at all. My last question for you is uh, who, who did you idolize in, in the media, um, being being a media personality that you are? Um, I mean, who, who you know, who who were some of maybe your mentors when you were coming up through the ranks? Uh, I had the benefit of having a lot of great 
teachers around me. Um, you know, I grew up watching on television Ken Squire, Chris Konamaki, uh, Jim McKay when ABC had the broadcast of the Indianapolis 500 tape late on a on a Sunday night. Um, and when I worked for the uh, Dirt organization, I got to rub elbows and work with Larry Newber. Uh, God rest his soul. He was a phenomenal human being and a fantastic person to learn the the craft of doing television on racing from. Uh, but there were so many other guys just here in our neck of the woods, Joe Morata, Jack Burgess, Gary Montgomery, uh, you know, legends in this, had a chance to work with uh, other people that I've worked with, like uh, Roy Sova. I learned how to be able to project my voice and be loud without my voice cracking from listening to Roy Sova uh, on videotape, uh, calling races at Oswego Speedway. Um, and, and, you know, the, the crew that I work with, with the NFL championship snowcross series, Joe Harowitz, our producer, uh, Haley Shanley and Josie Christian, my on-air partners. Uh, they are just wonderful, wonderful people. I would not have half of the career that I've had, had I not had a great supportive group of people to work with and to learn from. It's always good feeling when you're around a bunch of good people too in it uh paul i mean the racing community is just like no other it's we're just so blessed to be part of it that's that's very true and i think that's something that sometimes competitors tend to forget uh and i've noticed this in looking at racing in different parts of the country i spent a good amount of time in the midwest uh, worked some events with USAC, the Off-Road Championship, uh, the Indianapolis Speedrome, the World Figure 8 Championship, and a bunch of other stuff. And the mentality of racers around the country differs by region. But the one thing that I think every racer needs to keep in mind is it's not a right. It is a privilege to race. And even though you're focused on the competitive aspect of things, in order for our industry, the short track industry, and, and even national and world levels of motorsport, in order for them to continue to survive and possibly thrive, there needs to be the balance between what is competition and what is entertainment. And especially in the short track industry, I think too oftentimes the emphasis is much more on catering to the competitor and less on the product that is being put out in front of the people in the grandstand. But that's just my yeah. two cents. Before you get going, let's talk just a minute about Super Dirt Week. Okay. Um, I honestly have not been to a Super Dirt Week since 1999. Well, actually, no, correct <laughs> that. I, I was at one of the last ones uh, at uh, Syracuse working as a freelancer for Dirt Track Digest that year. But I have many, many fond memories of Dirt Week. Uh, I had actually just came off a swing of doing some events over the past few days that I was weaving into my work schedule. I, I haven't had a chance to be to Oswego for Dirt Week. I've been to Oswego a bunch of times. Uh, looks like this year's event was fantastic. I would love to work there someday. Um, I don't know if that is necessarily in the cards, but uh, I would certainly welcome the opportunity to finally get to call a major event at Dirt Week. Uh, the only thing I ever called it Dirt Week was when Doug Elkins and I, uh, a couple of years, tagged in the Pro Stock Race. 
because I was busy with my television commitments. But, um, you know, for the money, Dirt Week is one of the best events in this area. And there's another one coming up this weekend with the uh, the big showcase uh, event at Port Royal for the Short Track Super Series. And then we have what may very well be the final Eastern States weekend at Orange County uh, coming up next weekend. Bunch of marquee events. I've had the pleasure to have been to all of them except for Port Royal, which uh, is on the bucket list for that particular event. Uh, you know, for, for our money up here, though, I think Derwick uh, always has and always will be, at least for Northeastern racing fans, that will be the Mecca. That will be the Indianapolis slash Daytona of the entire region. Well, Paul, you've been great tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad you were able to come on tonight. Um, where can I follow you um, with all your racing stuff uh, on, on social media, uh, any of other platforms? Uh, well, the, uh, the website for my group of radio stations is fingerlakesdailynews.com. Uh, I do 7 to 9 a.m. a show called FLX Morning on WGBA. Uh, I actually migrated over from being a music radio DJ to a talk show host for about the past eight months and enjoying that immensely. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I don't mess around much with uh, with my Twitter or Instagram accounts uh, simply because I'm constantly working. If I'm not at the radio station, I'm off at a race somewhere, and uh, I would rather spend my time communicating with people and entertaining people than playing around on social media. But by all means, look for me on Facebook. You'll find me. All right, everyone. Paul Small called into the Rowdy Maglite Show tonight. Thanks again, Paul. Uh, hopefully we'll have you back on here again. And uh, Rowdy and I, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, Yeah, Paul. much appreciated, guys. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. When you think Miami, lots of things come to mind. But when you think Homestead, Miami... It's everything. The vibrancy of South Beach and the calm of the Keys. You get a weekend of a million thrills. It's everything we all think of when we think Miami, but so much more. NASCAR Playoffs Weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway, October 22nd through the 23rd. Get your tickets now at homesteadmiamispeedway.com. Hey, Pals, one of them, them guests that you just... Sit back and listen and enjoy. Yeah, we could have had him on for an hour tonight. I mean, he, you know, he's one of those guys that I, I've known or known of, uh, you know, who's worked with some of people I know in the industry. And, you know, uh, being down at Super Dirt Week, uh, just curious to hear his opinion on that. Um, I guess he hasn't been there since it was a Syracuse. So, um, you know, no longer, no longer at the Moody Mile. You know, the last race there was 2015, but uh, Super Dirt Week, uh, been up at the Swego, uh, the, the five eighths mile, uh, late in dirt. Matt Shepard won that race on uh, Sunday. So, uh, yeah, uh, the Speed Showcase at Port Royal, as he mentioned, is also this weekend. Uh, they got rained out tonight, preliminary night. Uh, Forty lapper did not. Uh, Mother Nature fell to that. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, didn't get to get to Port Royal tonight. But uh, we'll, we'll reschedule here. We'll see if we can find another race here shortly, Rowdy and. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be back to the track soon. So, uh, we got Nick Sanchez, where Kyle and I got him on Tuesday. And uh, pre-recorded for tonight. And we're going to listen to him, Kyle. All right, everyone. I'd like to welcome to the show, back to the Rowdy Maglite Show, 
the champion of 2022 Arca Menard Series, driving for Rev Racing, Nick Sanchez. Welcome, Nick. Thank you guys for having me. Man, Nick, this all started at Homestead, and uh, or I'm sorry, this all started in down in Daytona. Y'all was my, actually my first interview, and went out and watched you practice. I told this story, and I, I talked to Kyle a few minutes later after that, and I said, "Watch out for Rev Racing; they're the team to watch this year." Nick, what's it feel to be the Arkham Menard Series champion now? Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, to get this for uh, Max Eagle Rev Racing, uh, Gainbridge, and Chevrolet. Um, it, and it's, uh, it's kind of cool, you know, to go the whole eight, eight and a half month season and end up as a champion. Well, Nick kind of grabbed hold of the, of the reins and took over first place and held it for a long time <laughs> there and, and claimed it. That, that's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, we, we lost it a little bit at the beginning of the year just through a bunch of, you know, it, I don't want to say incidents, but just luck or whatever you call it. But, uh, yeah, once we got it, we, we kind of, my, my team started hitting off on uh, fire, firing on all cylinders and, you know, we almost lost it a couple of times due to some mistakes, but, uh, ultimately we got it. Well, Nick, uh, before the show, before you come on, we played the intro for Miami Homestead, uh, coming up. Week next weekend, what's it going to feel like to go there as being the Arkham Menards champion? Um, yeah, you know it'll be cool to go there, I guess, as a champion. But you know, mainly I'm excited to just race there. Um, <laughs> regardless of that, um, you know, it's where I grew up. It's the car track right outside. That was the first time I ever got in a in a go kart in a racing vehicle. So, um, a lot of first happened sort of at that track. Um, obviously, I lived there for 16 years. So it'll be cool to, to get the race there in front of the family and friends. So not much time to breathe, Nick. You turn around and you'll be at uh, Las Vegas this weekend. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, market season ended last week, but uh, my racing season is still very much uh, moving forward. And, you know, it's um, – can't really celebrate that, you know. You got to look. You got to look forward um, at Vegas and Homestead, and you know, finish out the year strong. Um, these are two very important races for me. Hey, Nick, you have uh, Kyle on now. First of all, thank you for coming on uh, today. I really appreciate it. Uh, my first question for you is: uh, talk a little bit about uh, your your time at Big Machine Racing. How has that been so far for you? Um, I know you had that strong run at Texas, and uh, you have two mile and a halfs coming up. So, Chil, can you just talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah, it's just been, it's really been a learning experience um, racing for them. You know, obviously I made my first two starts through BJ McLeod. Um, and, you know, obviously when you're running 20th, 25th, it's it's a different dynamic than competing in the top 10 um, as far as, you know, what 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 the team asked out of the driver. And uh, I'm just learning the way, you know, a big team, a big team operates. You know, obviously they're very closely aligned with RCR, so, they have every uh, every tool and every piece of the puzzle, and uh, I'm just learning how to how to use that to the best of my abilities and uh, compete up front. So, talk a little bit about the Toledo race. Uh, you know, I, I seen the highlights the other day. I didn't get to see the race, but uh, just take, can you take us through a little bit uh, for your viewpoint uh, how how it was? I mean, the crazy finish, the uh, you know. Uh, Daniel Dye dropping out, you finishing sixth, getting the championship. Can you just recap that for us? 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, from my end, it was a very, very, very calm race. Um, most of the time, I was just kind of driving by myself, so I, I, I can't really <laughs> speak for the other ones that had a wild race. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was the only car I felt like I was racing was a 43, and I think we were in good position at the end, regardless if he would have dropped out. But, uh, yeah, it was it was just a calm race. kind of ran my own race. What was your favorite moment of the season, aside from the ARCA Series Championship? I mean, was there, was there like a highlight of your year that just stood out and, you know, really, uh, you know, stood out from the rest of the, the moments that you had? Um, I think it was the car that we brought to Pocono. I, I truly do believe that was the only time this year we did have the best car in the field. And I think we were, the, even though we finished second, um, we were kind of in a league of our own as far as, you know, speed. And I was really proud of my team for that. My last question for you is, uh, can you please talk a little bit about your super speedway experience? I know I've asked you this before, but, um, you know, how, how has it been for you um, running more mile and a half, you know, running the two-mile tracks, two-and-a-half miles? I mean, how has that been for you, and, you know, what, have, what else have you learned uh, running the, those track kind of tracks? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I've obviously, um, short tracks is something I have a good amount of experience on, Um running late models and stuff but yeah super or the mile and a half tracks um gotten a good amount of experience on it and um i, I don't necessarily want to say i'm better at those tracks than uh, a short track like a bristol or toledo or a road course i just feel like that's where our team excels so uh i, I love them so uh, nick the last your last gathering with your family after winning the championship because i know your mom and dad and the rest of all sacrificed for you to get to there. What was the feeling when you all got together and realized that you finally brought it to the house? Yeah, I mean, obviously they were all very excited. They know this is something that obviously um, started in Daytona, and every every week, you know, you you try to do well to uh, represent well in the standings. And uh, they were obviously very happy um, for me, for my team, for Max Eagle, and they're enjoying it. So, uh, what about thanks to everybody that got you there? You want to talk about the guys back at the shop at Max's shop, Rev Racing? Yeah, obviously Max Eagle, Rev Racing, NASCAR Draft Diversity Program, Chevrolet, um, Gainbridge, and you know every every uh, guy and girl at Rev Racing that works hard uh, that worked hard this season. And uh, where can they follow you, Nick, to keep up with you rest of the season? Um, you can follow me at Nick Sanchez zero eight zero everywhere. All right, Nick Sanchez, Arkham Menards twenty twenty two champion. Thanks, Nick. Looking forward to seeing you down in my uh, Homestead, Miami. Thank you. Homestead, Miami. Get ready, because that line will be there. Me and Daytona Tom, Kyle. Then it'll be time for you and I to be at Daytona for the speed week. Coming That's the plan around here, at least. That's right. So, uh, Kyle, Nick Sanchez does it and rolls right on this weekend. Uh, racing for big, big machine racing and the Xfinity. That's not bad. It's a good car. They've won this year with Tyler Reddick and... You know, RCR powered, and 
Uh, you know, he's running the next two weeks. He's running Vegas this week, Homestead next week. So a good, good, good experience, I think, for him. Uh, I'm curious to see how that weekend turns out at Homestead. You know, we've never really seen a day race, a day truck race there. Um, there hasn't been a day truck race there since 2005 when it got rain postponed to Saturday. So uh, I'm interested to see how that's going to go. I like Stuart Friesen as my early favorite. He's at Port Royal this weekend, running that Speed Showcase 50,000 to win race. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we got the 300-mile race back for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. The Contender Boat's 300 next Saturday at 4.30 Eastern, live on USA and MRN. So, uh, yeah, Rowdy, we got a lot going on. You know, we got Xfinity practice and qualifying Friday night uh, for the race. And, uh, you know, going to be an interesting one again, you know. Uh, you know, we got Trevor Bain back in the 18, Rajah Karuth back in the 44. Uh, Nick Sanchez, as we mentioned, you know, there's a lot of drivers going to be in that race. So, uh, playoffs on the, you know, at stake as well for the NASCAR Xfinity Series drivers. And, uh, we'll see who'll be. We'll see if someone will advance to the final round of Phoenix. Looking forward to it, Kyle. Uh, I'll roll in down to uh, hopefully Friday morning starts it all off at uh, Homestead, Miami. And uh, Kyle, let's listen to Sarah Burgess. All right, everyone. As you know, we are joined by Sarah Burgess, driver of the number 97, eBay Motors Chevrolet, and Bridget Burgess, driver of the number 88, HMH Construction Chevrolet in the Arkham Menard Series West. Um, they will be making history this weekend at the Bull Ring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway when they become the first mother-daughter pair in a NASCAR or an ARCA-sanctioned event um, to race against each other. So we're just going to start off quickly here with Sarah. Um, Sarah, can you just give us a little bit of background as to how this idea came together and what it took to put it together? Oh, my gosh. Um, so, I, honestly, the idea sort of came to fruition um, the end of last uh, year, of last- like, you know, going through a full season with Bridget's new car, like, um, and and running it through and kind of like, this is really cool. Uh, I'd love to actually give it a go at some point as well and probably help on the feedback from Bridget to understand the car a bit more and, and then it just turned into how amazing would it be to then actually just race against each other? Um, and so that was, you know, sort of as we wrapped up the season last year and then how we started to look at the season for this year and, and adding a second car for a backup for Bridget. And then that's what it was really like, oh, wow, like we need to, um, we could, you know, try and make this happen to have a mother-daughter opportunity um, and, and race asphalt together. It would be such a great experience. Awesome. And then, Bridget, your mom is usually atop the pit box for you when you're racing. What is it going to be like to be competing against her and having her as a teammate this weekend? I think it'll be fun. Um, my mom and I, we race each other in off-road, so I think it's just going to bring out that extra competitiveness from my mom, I think. <laughs> so I think it'll be interesting, but really fun, and I'm really excited for it. Awesome. We're going to open up to questions. If you have a question, please go in and raise your hand um, under the reactions. Um, I see Mike Embry has his hand up. So, Mike, we'll go ahead and start with you. Good morning, ladies. Good morning, Mike. <laughs> Sarah, tell me uh, uh, why this particular week, this particular track to do this. We, um, in terms of the actual track selection, we did have two possibilities. It was Irwindale for the July race um, was one of the first options. And then um, the next one being um, this race at the Vegas track. There's a couple of different aspects to it in just terms of the demands and, and what we go through for each type of race. Like, a, you know, going to a road course track is 
Um, I'll be honest in saying I don't have the road course experience um, compared to Bridget. She's been phenomenal on a road course. Um, and then just the resources from a team perspective and personnel. Um, you know, going to Owendale is is a, a great local track that we've been to and, and it would have been a great option, um, but also the same for Vegas as well. It's just a little bit less on the demands um, for what we need to do. And the great thing about this Vegas race is that it's it's a straight through race where we don't have any like stops for fuel or tires. So uh, it does simplify that opportunity. Um, and, you know, the, the Las Vegas bullring on a NASCAR Cup weekend uh, really ties it all in nicely together. So, you know, I know that there's a lot of attention going around the Cup Series right now. And, you know, for us to be a part of the giant big story uh, is pretty exciting. Is there some kind of wager on who finishes best? <laughs> it is definitely the most common question, um, you know, and it's and it is. I have been asked, uh, you know, am I going out there just to circulate? And it's like, no, I'm I'm going out there to be competitive. It's just my nature. Um, you know, we keep sort of like, who's going to win? Um, you know, I, 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 of course, I want to see Bridget do well in the race, just from a from a championship point standpoint. She's doing well this year. She's seventh in points. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I, I do want to do a really good job. So, um, but Bridget's definitely got the better car. What do you What, what do you think? Um, I think it'll be like really. I think it'll be like tough because we're obviously gonna race each other singly, but like it's obviously when it comes back to the last five laps, you know, we're just we're two race cars out there. So it's like when we raced off road, it was a similar situation where yes, we were teammates and we raced each other cleanly, but when it came down to the last few laps, we were just really rough with each other. <laughs> And, I mean, it makes it exciting. That's, you know, that's what's racing about. Um, we get rough with each other, and, you know, it's just, like, down to the last lap. So. How many team uh, people will you have there, more than normal or not? Uh, we will have um, a couple extra people, like, in terms of those who he's got um, the spotter aspect. I'm stealing Bridget's spotter for this race, which is my husband, her dad. And um, we do have another spotter coming in for Bridget, and then we do actually have a couple extra crew uh, to help support as well. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, next, we'll go to Bob Pockers. Yeah, Bridget, uh, how much did you? How much have you learned about how to race from your mom? Um, when, I, when we're racing each other in off road, I think the biggest thing that my mom taught me is just patience with the car or at the time it was the truck, um, just being patient, not like, as a young driver, of course, I'm going to try and win on the first lap in the first corner, but I learned very quickly from my mom, like, you know, be patient, you have X amount of laps, like, use it, um, so that's something that my mom has definitely taught me, and my both of my parents have also taught me a lot about Apex, that's something that I didn't entirely understand before I got into racing, but just learning clean lines, how to race clean, not damage your car, save your tires, save your truck or car um, for the race. And obviously uh, the sport can use more women racers. Do you view this um, and the notoriety that this will bring as an important step in that? I, I think it's a great opportunity. I think it, I hope that it influences other females to get more into racing and be more involved, um, whether it's to be mechanically wise on other teams or as a driver to be in racing. 
I think it, it will just be a huge influence for young females to get into. I um, and I, I second that as well. I mean, uh, it's you know, there's so many more women getting involved with NASCAR from so many different levels, uh, sitting on the pit box to you know marketing um, and so on. So you know, encouraging more women to get involved and and uh, go outside their comfort zone and and try something different is definitely you know what I'd love to be able to share that experience with everybody. And next, we're going to go to RJ. Hey, so how how long has an idea like this <clears throat> been in the works? You know, um, you know, has this been always? I, I'm sure this is always something you you've wanted to do. But how how long has this been? You know, was there was there a point in time like earlier this year where the idea hit and you were like, we got to make this happen? It, so it was it was the start of the year, like when we actually did get the second car. Um, I mean, it was my it was an idea, it was a cool idea when we were sort of talking about it at the end of the season. And then when we finished up getting the second car, it was like, oh, okay, now we now we really got this second car, and that was um, back in uh, February, March, as we we're getting ready for the first ARCA race at Phoenix. And so then it was, you know, what do we need to do? Like, how big of a challenge is it to get this accomplished? Um, and you know, unfortunately, we're we're a family that never gives up. Um, we just, you know, if we if we want to achieve something. Uh, we do everything we absolutely can to, to make that goal happen. So, um, so yeah, basically it was February, March. We we're like, this is a great idea because now I, we physically have the car sitting in our workshop. <laughs> and do you think this can be kind of a building block too for, for next season, seasons, you know, in the future? Yeah, I think it would be really exciting. I think I really wanted my mom to actually race Portland with me. And it's just doing more races with my mom, I think is really fun. Um, and I love road course, so I hope that one day my mom and I do road course with NASCAR. I think it would be really fun. Um, <laughs> Bridge, I need a lot more driver coaching from this road course. I just, I can change gears, but not like her. <laughs> awesome. Best of luck this weekend. Thank, Thank you. you. And next, we're going to go to Grace. Hi. Um, I'm thinking maybe Sarah can speak a little bit about this, but just your guys's journey like from australia to here and just what it's been like to see bridget race and her progress you know through these last couple seasons what what's the big picture for you guys like what what are you kind of hoping this career and even this race like turns out to be it's been truly an amazing experience i mean uh, you know back in australia i I wrench i fabricate i you know worked on a lot of street cars performance cars um, you know, when we moved over here, Bridget was six and barely could fit into the, you know, she was a, a tiny person in, in the airplane seat, as if to say. Um, but she grew up in the environment, uh, just hanging out at our workshop. Uh, and as we continued to just, you know, make goals and achieve them and, you know, make new goals and so on, and Bridget got to watch that every step of the way, um, you know, and, and for her to look up to me is, is truly amazing for me to be her mentor. I, I think it's a, an amazing opportunity as a parent, not just being a parent, but being a mentor. Um, and then getting involved with racing, and Bridget was always there. She was always the person to help me get out of my truck, clean my truck. She finished up being the person that was responsible for changing the rear end gears in my truck. Um, and so she's always been extremely hands-on and just developed a great different set of skills as as opposed to most 15-year-old girls, which is truly amazing. Um, then when she wanted, she came to both Adam and I and it's like, I, I, I would like to race. And it's just, okay, well, 
like, let's see what we can do to make it happen. Um, and that's like, she got to use my pro truck for her regional races, um, you know, and, and she worked really hard. And so just continuing for the dedication and the progression um, and then see her take on the asphalt racing the way she did just without me having to lead it. Um, you know, it was all, it was all on her. Like when we did asphalt modified and then when we went and did the first K&N race and so on, um, and even testing, like she got to test with Bill McAnally at the end of 2019. It was such a great experience. And that was not her following in my footsteps. That was actually her taking her own lead and making that opportunity for herself, which was amazing to watch. Um, and again, just the opportunities of being here in America is, is help is what helped us grow into what we have today. Thanks. And then real quick, Bridget, um, if you could just talk a little bit about the dynamic between you and your mom with her being your crew chief, sometimes, you know, family dynamics and racing can be a little challenging, but what's maybe the most fun for you and also the most challenging? Um, it, it can definitely be challenging. Um, I think this, I guess the challenging part is obviously as a family, we're with each other almost 24 seven. We're in the shop, then we're like at the weekend, in the weekend and we're racing together. Um, so there's like never any space and we're just nonstop working. Um, I think the only time we ever have a break is when we have a 10 hour drive to the racetrack and that's it. Um, so that's more of the challenging part because we definitely push ourselves really hard. Um, but I also enjoy that because that's taught me so much outside of racing about being dedicated and committed to like a job that you love. Um, and then also I think like the exciting part is that we're a very competitive family. So it's like all of us, if we were to go rental karting, it, it's really just hands-on and aggressive. So for my mom and I, to be in a 3,400-pound car going racing together, I think it's really fun. Thank you, guys. Good luck. Thank you. Um, Sarah and Bridget, I have a couple of emails or a couple of questions that were emailed me to, to me last night by a media member who's traveling this morning and couldn't make it on the Zoom. Um, he was wondering, what, is, what does this moment in NASCAR history mean to your family? Honestly, it's completely uh, breathtaking, to be honest, like, in terms of, um, you know, where we came from in Australia and, and you know, you see NASCAR on TV, and even when we moved here in 2008, and it's just, um, it, you know, it's the biggest motorsport series in America, and, and never would I have thought in 2008 I'd be sitting here in a press conference, um, you know, with reporters that have been a part of the sport for many, many years, um, you know, having having questions after this. So I I'm I'm very humbled by the opportunity, but uh it again it's just it's it is honestly an amazing opportunity um to be a part of this and making history um in so many different ways. It's yeah, I'm speechless. <laughs> it looks like Mike has a follow up question, so I'm gonna go back to him before I go to one of these others. Yeah, just a couple of easy questions. Uh where do you guys live? Where is your shop? And I hate to ask this, but how old are you? So I, I have no problems admitting my age. I'm, I'm 42. So I just had my birthday um, last week. And, you know, I kind of I pride myself on my age and the fact that I'm still, you know, out doing things that like a 20-year-old should be doing. So I'm happy about that. Uh, so we are based in uh, Tooele, Utah, uh, which is about 35 minutes west of Salt Lake City. And our race shop is located at Utah Motorsports Campus. So 
that's where Bridget gets all of her road course skills from. She gets to go to track days quite often um, on the road course out here. And yeah, it's, it's been a great opportunity. Okay, thank you. All right, I'm gonna get one more in here from um, the email questions that were submitted. Um, how challenging, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, but how challenging has this project been to put together, not only as far as funding, but equipment, personnel, and all the vital infrastructure to house a two-car team for the Arkham Menard Series West? Uh, I mean, the most uh, the most challenging aspect, and I, this is with any race team, um, when we're not an exception, is the, you know, the funding and the sponsorship to be able to uh, do the event at a competitive level. At a competitive level, um, and so you know, and that's through that support with, uh, with eBay Motors, uh, them coming on board for this race is again such an amazing opportunity. There's a lot of a lot of firsts for eBay Motors uh, to be involved with what we're doing, which is fantastic. Uh, the other thing is, of course, the equipment aspects. Um, even even though we had the second car come in, you know, there was still just the going through the rule book and making sure that it was up to date with um, all the rule changes that we had from 2019 to, you know, to 2022. Um, that car was originally a K&N series car. So, you know, we had to go through and update that. Um, and of course, you know, just um, little like things with the engine and, and making sure that we've got a good solid engine. And again, very similar to what the industry goes through in, in inventory shortages. Um, they've been a couple of the other, cha other challenges as well. So, um, you know, that's, that's been the biggest thing. Uh, but like I said, the support that we've got with eBay Motors to be able to, um, they, you know, came on board with Bridget for the last five races that we've had. And then, of course, participating as the uh, title sponsor of my car for this Vegas race um, has been definitely a um, relieved a, a bit of that pressure that we've had. Awesome. Are there any other final questions from any of the media members that are in the Zoom with us? All right. Well, Sarah and Bridget, good luck this weekend at Las Vegas. Um, the race is going to be streamed live on Flow Racing at 8.30 um, Pacific time, 11.30 Eastern time uh, for anyone who wants to watch the two of them race. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, everyone. Homestead, Miami. It's everything we all think of when we think Miami, but so much more. NASCAR Playoffs Weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway, October 22nd through the 23rd. Get your tickets now at homesteadmiamispeedway.com. Mother-daughter combo, Kyle. That's uh, really, really unusual, but hey, I'll, I'll do them, man. We'll prop do them. Definitely something different for sure. It is. Uh Kyle, what you got to close us out tonight? I'm going to a bonfire, homecoming. Yeah, Rowdy, you're headed there. Uh well, was headed to Port Royal. But uh Wednesday they postponed the Thursday portion of the speed showcase weekend, the preliminary night. Uh forty laps for the short track super series modifieds. Uh unfortunately did not get in. Um rain all day. Uh killed that. So, uh, you know, for, you know, it's become a two-day affair now. So, uh, Port Royal Speedway, the showcase, Speed Showcase 50,000 to win. Uh, Friday night, 410 sprint cars, 25 laps, $6,000 to win. Uh, this is the rescheduled race from the uh, Labor Day race. So, um, they were at it 
to the Speed Showcase weekend. So a four time, first time the 410 Sprint Cars, their final show at Port Royal for the year. Um, Anthony Macri uh, coming off his first two World of Outlaws career series victories at Port Royal, the Speed Palace, uh, sweeping the weekend last weekend, the Nittany Showdown, taking home $25,000. So uh, National Open next weekend, uh, Saturday, October 22nd, rain date Sunday, October 23rd, $75,000 to win for the World of Outlaws, rescheduled from uh, Saturday, October 1st. And uh, then we got uh, two races. Uh, well, we also got the Eastern States 200 weekend, as Paul Smalley uh, mentioned earlier, October 21st to the 23rd. Uh, might be the last one in Orange County Fair Speedway, so uh, you might want to get to that one. Then a uh, weekend after, Sprint Oberfest at uh, Bridgeport Speedway. Uh, three nights of racing, United Racing Club. The USAC English East Coast Wingless Sprints are going to be there, and also the 410 Sprints, Sunday, October 30th, a $15,000 to win. 40-lap feature for the 410 Sprint Cars. So uh, that's kind of what's on the horizon. Don't forget about the Fall Brawl at Mahoning Valley Speedway, Saturday, October 22nd. Uh, you know, I know they'll be, they'll be uh, having that event that's always been a, a big one, whether it's been called Oktoberfest or Fall Brawl, uh, Mahoning Valley always uh, putting out a good show there. So um, not much else going on, Rowdy. You know, i got to work uh, this weekend. My mom's birthday's coming up, so uh, happy birthday to my mom. And Happy uh, birthday. Other though. than that. Not too much else going on, but, uh, you know, hopefully get back to the racetrack before the end of the season. Uh, we'll have to see how the schedules lay out, and uh, we'll go from there. Kyle, everybody, just a reminder, we got the All-American 400 coming up. That weekend's going to be October the 28th through the 30th, and it's going to be – it's always a great race on Sunday. And then they finish it their uh, regular season up that weekend, and that – and that's a fun night to watch those guys finish the season out at the fairgrounds, Kyle. So, uh, with that being said, Kyle, we're going to kind of ease on out of here. But we'll be back Monday morning with the Rowdy Maglite Show. Kyle Magna. Thanks, Rowdy. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate it, man. <laughs>